Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Salatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen Sayyidina wa nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin Amma ba'du fa'an Abi Abdurrahman Abdillah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhuma Qal sami'tu Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Yaqul We have live stream <coughs> قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول بني الإسلام على خمس شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة وحج البيت وصوم رمضان رواه البخاري ومسلم الحمد لله we're continuing with the forty hadith from the compilation of Imam Nawawi رحمه الله and as we mentioned that the hadith that are mentioned in this in this book, the ahadith that are compiled in this book, every single one of these ahadith is a foundation or fun, found, foundational uh, aspect of Islam. In other words, they are fundamental teachings of the religion. That if you were to refer to any one of these ahadith, it would either be a comprehensive explanation of Islam as a whole, or it would be like one of the very important, right, integrals of the faith. So this hadith, I would say, is, I mean, a beautiful example of that, how these ahadith show that these are the foundational teachings of Islam. This hadith is narrated by Abu Abdurrahman, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, the son of Umar ibn al-Khattab, who was a very, very great sahabi, a very great scholar from amongst the sahaba, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi said, Islam has been built and established upon five things, five pillars, as we know the five pillars of Islam. Right? This is the famous hadith of the five pillars of Islam. Do you guys know the five pillars of Islam? Good, of course you do. So what are those? Shahadati Allah ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa To bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship but Allah and that Muhammad is his slave and messenger. And establishing the prayer. And giving the charity, the zakah. And performing the hajj of Allah Ta'ala's house. And fasting in the month of Ramadan. And this hadith is narrated in Bukhari and Muslim. So, as we can see, this is such a comprehensive hadith that all the teachings are the five pillars or the five most important things in Islam, right? A ritual Islam which manifests the external practices of the deen, right? It has been mentioned in this hadith. Imam al-Qurtubi, he mentioned something very important. That bunya al-Islam wa ala khams, yani anna hadihi al-khams أساس دين الإسلام وقواعده التي عليها بنية that these five practices or these five things this is the foundation of the religion of Islam this is the foundation of our deen وقواعده and this is you can say the fundamentals التي عليها بنية and this is you can say the base upon which Islam is built وبها يقوم and it is on this pill, uh, it is it is on these 
how do you say, on this foundation that Islam stands. إِنَّمَا خَصَّ هَذِهِ بِالذِّكِرِ وَلَمْ يَذْكُرْ مِنْهَا الْجِهَادِ مَعَ أَنَّهُ يُذْهِرُ الدِّينِ وَيَقْبَعُ عِنَادَ الْكُفْكَافِرِينَ لِأَنَّ هَذِهِ الْخَمْسِ فَرْضٌ دَائِمٌ وَالْجِهَادُ مِنْ فُرُوضِ الْكِفَايَاتِ وَقَدْ يَسْقُطُ فِي بَعْضِ الْأَوْقَاتِ So then Imam Al-Qurtubi says, Why are these particular fara'id mentioned? Right? Why are these mentioned in particular? And not maybe some other things that might be also fard because of the fact that these are forever constantly a fard that remain in a person's life, right? And does as mention, for example, jihad. Jihad is something which was an obligation upon when there's a need for that. It's an obligation when there's a need. But in regards to the shahadatain and in regards to prayer and zakat and hajj and fasting, this is something that is constant always as long as a person is alive. So now an interesting point, why does, in this hadith, why is hajj mentioned first and fasting mentioned last, right? Isn't hajj come last? Like the five pillars of Islam is shahadatain and then prayer and zakat and then fasting and hajj, right? So why does it mention hajj first and then it mentions fasting later? So a very interesting point that's mentioned here about that. لِأَنَّ إِبْنُ عُمَرَ لَمَّا سَمِعَ الْمُسْتَعِيدِ يُقَدِّمُ الْحَجِّ عَلَى الصَّوْمِ زَجَرَهُ وَنَهَاهُ عَنْ ذَلِكُ وَقَدَّمَ الصَّوْمِ عَلَى الْحَجِّ وَقَالَ هَكَذَا سَمِعْتُهُ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. It's amazing. He says that when Ibn Umar was hearing the one he narrated to, he heard him narrate the hadith, and then he mentioned fasting, and then hajj, he actually reproached him, and he admonished him. He said, no, 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 don't say it like that, because I heard the Prophet saying it like this. I heard the Prophet mention hajj first, and then he mentioned fasting after. Why that is? That's the way he heard the Messenger of Allah saying. And this brings us to another point. This brings us to another point. That the ahadith of the Prophet were memorized by the companions in a particular way. So this is an interesting point. Like a lot of people say, oh, we don't know if the hadith is true and we don't know if it's something we should, you know, accept it. There's doubts in it and how can and how this and how that. Well, this is a, it's a perfect example where when he narrated the hadith, the one who was saying it back to him, you know, like when you do your door, when you do your Quran and you recite it back to your teacher. So his teacher, Abdullah ibn Umar, said the hadith to him. And when he said the hadith back, he said, Hajj last. Whereas that's not how Abdullah ibn Umar heard it. He heard it, Hajj, and then fasting. So when he said it that way, and he fixed it himself, he said the, uh, 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 you know, he said the, 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 the fasting, and then he said the hajj last, which was not the way Abdullah ibn Umar narrated to him. Zajarahu. He admonished him. He reproached him. He said, no. And then what did he say? He said, Qaddam as-sawm ala al-hajj. Right? So he mentioned, um, yeah, so he, 
mention Hajj first and then Saum. And then he says, Hakada Samaituhum in Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the way that I heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying it. Again, this reminds us of, I mean, the ahadith, this hadith has been narrated in different narrations, but it's an interesting point that, you know, sometimes you're just mentioning the five pillars. It doesn't come to your mind that there's actually some sequence. But what we learn from here is the keenness of the companions and how they particular they were, that something has to be narrated exactly the way the Prophet ﷺ had said it. And they not only had this, you know, specific dubt or preciseness or that it should be narrated in this particular way just in Quran. Like if somebody were to say, uh, you know, وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ وَالشَّفْعِ وَالْوَتْرِ Somebody were to say, وَالشَّفْعِ وَالْوَتْرِ وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ So wait, 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 you know. So the, 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 in, even in the, you know, in the Quran, we know that there's a particular way that it was narrated. So even in the ahadith, you can see that the Sahaba radiallahu anhu very keen in the specific way that they heard certain things from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right? Which teaches us that this, uh, this, the science of hadith and how hadith were narrated was very, very particular. And they were very, you know, uh, how do you say, they would have a, 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 they would be very keen and they were very particular in that dhabt, dhabtul alfaf, and how it was narrated. Another thing to understand here is that the Prophet ﷺ, in narrating of this hadith, he makes a tashbih and he gives an example that Islam is like a tent. Right? Like you have a tent. A tent. And this tent has, you can say, five pegs, right? So the middle peg, which is in the center, that keeps the tent up, right? This is the shahadatain. The shahadatain is what actually even keeps that thing up. And then the other, which you say four, which is the salat and the zakat and the hajj and the psalm, these are its, how do you say, those ropes. And now you can imagine, subhanAllah, what a beautiful analogy and what a beautiful example the Prophet ﷺ has given that if we were to, for example, take away or cut one rope, what would happen? That part of the tent would fall in and it would not be spacious. It would not be comfortable to live in such a place. If two of them are cut, right? It would fall and it would, you know, not allow that person to remain inside living comfortably. Similarly, right, when an aspect of our deen is missing, or take it like four walls, you have four walls, and then the top roof is, for example, the shahadatain, the main part. If any part of this, right, if any of the four walls is missing, what happens? It's from that area or it's from that section that, you know, wind is going to come in, you know, or heat is going to come in or cold is going to come in. 
Similarly, in our deen, any one of these pillars or any one of these walls or any one of these, and you can look at it from different, different perspectives. It could be the ropes or it could be like these walls. Any one of them that's missing will bring upon a person's uh, deen, it will bring upon a person's life deficiency. He'll be deficient. His deen will be deficient. His Islam will be deficient. So here, the first thing it says, Shahadati Allah ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah. So without the shahadatain, right, this is the center. It's an interesting uh, incident that is mentioned here in the commentary. Hassan Basri rahmatullahi he said that they were at the janazah of Farazdaq. Uh, Farazdaq is very famous sha'ir. He was a very famous poem. Right? Some say about him that he lived 60 years as a, as a kafir and he lived 60 years as a Muslim. And he had very famous poetry. And they say, ما أعددت لهذا المقام So I think it, it may have been his janazah or someone else's. So somebody asked him, or he was present at that janazah. Hassan Basri rahmatullahi asked that, what did you prepare for this grave? What did you prepare for this place? And he, was, he must have been there. So he says, I have prepared shahadati Allah ilaha illallah mundu kada sana. Meaning I have prepared the, to the belief in Allah and in his messenger from so many years. So such a powerful statement that he, uh, he's making is that what did you prepare for this grave? He said, the thing that I prepared for my grave from so many years it's my shahadatain that I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship but Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is his messenger. This is what I've prepared for the grave. And this is a very powerful statement. Because when the munkir and nakir, they come and they ask of you, this is what they're going to ask. Man rabbuk? Who is your Lord? Wa ma deenuk? And what is your religion? Wa ma hadha rajul alladhi bu'itha ilayk? And who was that person who was sent to you? You know, so literally the shahadatain is these three questions. And in the life of this world, brothers and sisters, this is the thing that we get tested with most. Shaitan does whatever he can to try to take the shahadatain away from you. Because if a person just has that, this is, how do you say, this is your passport of the akhirah. This is what's going to get you around. This is what's going to make you pass. You know when you have a passport? Passport, right? You pass the port Right through that, your passport of the akhirah is your shahadatain. If you have a shahadu Allah ilaha illallah, wa shahadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, you'll pass, inshallah. But look at what Hassan Basri rahimahullah then says: "Hada al-amud fa'in al-atnab." He said, "Yes, this is the amud. This is the you know, like in a in a tent. This is the center pillar. But what about the ropes? You have the center pillar. That's the shahadatain." The atnab is the habl of the, of, the, of the tent. 
the ropes. So he said, yeah, that's the center, but what about the ropes? In other words, don't just rely, oh, I have the shahadatain, I don't need to do anything else. I'm a Muslim, alhamdulillah, I don't need to pray. I'm a Muslim, alhamdulillah, I don't need to fast. No. Right? The person who believes and he doesn't fast and he doesn't pray, it's like that tent that's fallen. You don't call that a tent. You can't live in that tent. Right? فَهُوَ تَمْثِيلٌ شَبَّهَ الْإِسْلَامِ بِخَيْمَةٍ عَمُودُهَا كَلِمَةُ التَّوْحِيدُ وَأَطْنَابُهُ الْأَعْمَالُ الصَّالِحَةِ So what the, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he gave an example that Islam is like a tent and its pillar is the shahadatain and its ropes is the four, four other actions, right? Of prayer and zakat and hajj and psalm. And an interesting thing that it says, it says, Iqam is salati. Iqam is salati. This is a very, very important word. Wa iqam is salati. Everywhere Allah Ta'ala says, Aqimu salata wa atu zakata. Allah Ta'ala didn't say, perform the prayer. Allah Ta'ala said, establish the prayer. This is a very particular word that Allah Azza wa Jalla uses. It's very powerful. And there's a meaning behind this. Limada sta'amala lavval iqama. Why is being used iqama, not ada'u salati? We know the difference. Adaytu salah. I performed the prayer. I fulfilled the prayer, right? Ada'. That the word that's used, ada'u salat. But Allah doesn't use the word ada'. Allah just doesn't want ada' from us. Just make ada'. I prayed. Up, down, kiss the ground, back to town. Up, down, kiss the ground, back to town. I did it. See, I'm done. I'm done. A lot of times that's what we do. We do up, down, kiss the ground, back to town. That's called ada. I'm done. I'm, it's over. It's finished. Right? Like the Prophet said, like the pecking of a crow. The salat of a munafiq. He prays. Adda salat. He's done. Bariyud zimma. He just pecks the ground, four rakats, and he's done. But that's not what Allah Azza wa Jal wants from us. Aqimu. And where does Aqimu Salah start? It starts by establishing the Masajid. Allahu Akbar. Masajid. What is the, what it, does, does anybody know what's the meaning of the word Masjid? It's actually Masjid. Yani Maqam as Sujood. Mawdi as Sujood. It's the place of prostrations. It's the place of prostrations. Right? Wa masajid, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran that Allah Ta'ala has permitted its establishment and Allah has commanded that the masajid should be established for the, for the prayers. Right? So that is where, first and foremost, the establishment of salah goes. Subhanallah. In some communities, we notice wherever they go, no matter where they are, you know, those people who are dini minded mashallah, they, wherever they go, they establish. There was a funny thing that they said about the Gujarati community. You know the Gujaratis? The Gujaratis, wherever they go, they, they open up their, you know, uh, they open up their store and they open up the masjid. Tijara and salah, this is the most important thing to them. So they open up their store and they open up their, their masjid. Wherever they go, they're in Zambia, anywhere on the earth, you'll see, you find the Gujaratis there. You go to Zambia, you go to Mozambique, you go to South Africa, they're like all everywhere, these, you know, the Gujaratis are there. And what do they do? They open up their store 
the convenience stores, everything you can find there, you know, detergent and food and this and that, never alcohol, never alcohol. But the Gujarati community is very, very famous for that, because I've been to South Africa, I've been to Mozambique, I went to Zimbabwe and all these places, and all you see is like, you know, our brothers are there, right there is a store, and right there is the masjid. And it's very interesting about that, that this is part of the iqama, the establishment of the prayer. Right? And then after that, right, you know, doing wudu properly and performing the prayer. And also the Prophet said, Aqimu sufufakum. Right? Wasawu sufufakum. Fa inna taswiyata sufufi min iqamati salah. Straighten your rows. Because straightening of the rows, shoulder to shoulder, and being in a straight line, this is from the establishment of the salah. This is from the establishment of the salah. It's not just, for example, prayer with jama'ah after the masjid, right? Prayer with jama'ah. After we establish the, the, the masjid, what do we establish the masjid for? For the jama'ah. You know, if a, if a man, he were to perform his salah, and he always perform his salah by himself. Look, I know sometimes there's an excuse, right? Sometimes you can't make it. Sometimes you're sick. Sometimes you're traveling. Sometimes whatever. But if a person were always to perform his salah by himself, men, not women, because it's not fard upon women to perform salat in the masjid with jama'ah. If they do, mashallah, they will get the ajr. But it's not binding upon them. It's not mu'akkad upon them. Right? That's why the Prophet say the word, لا تمنعوا إماء الله مساجد الله. Don't prohibit them from the masajid. It's allowed for them. So this statement is, is, is ibaha. It's not ta'kid. There's difference between ibaha and ta'kid. But upon men, there is emphasis. It's part of the establishment of prayer. If a man were to abandon the salat with jama'ah forever, he just prays at home, but he prays, he will die as a munafiq in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal. A hypocrite. This is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. This is the statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, as is mentioned in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, that Allah Azza wa Jal has established these masajid, and prayer should be established in those, in those places where the adhan is given. And if a man were to, and this is what Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, and if a person, يَتَخَلَّفُ عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ بِالْجَمَاعَةِ يَتَخَلَّفُ عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ بِالْجَمَاعَةِ Right? Then, كَمَا يَفَعَلُوا هَذَا الْمُنَافِقِ Abdullah Masood said, أو كَمَا قَال A person, he يَتَخَلَّفُ عَنِ الْجَمَاعَةِ كَمَا يَفَعَلُوا هَذَا الْمُنَافِقِ Then he would die, and if be, as a sinful, he would die, and he is abandoning the sunnah of his messenger. So if a person abandons the salat with jama'ah, he will be guilty of abandoning an emphasized sunnah of the messenger and abandoning iqamatu salah you see allah azza wa jal didn't say ada'u salah allah ta'ala said iqamatu salah wa salatu bil jama'a min iqamatiha if the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saying if the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is telling us that taswiyatu as-sufuf min iqamati salah fal jama'atu bi tariq al-awla if straightening of the safs is part of establishing of the prayer, the jama'ah itself, then what is that? And another hadith narrated in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said, he said, sometimes 
I wish that I leave somebody to lead the prayer, and then me, a couple of youngsters, we go out, collect some wood, and burn those people's houses down that they perform their salat at home without a valid excuse. I mean, this is ta'kid, this is emphasis. So we should try as much as we can that this is part of iqamatul salah. And, the, and, the, and this is an amazing uh, thing in and of itself that five times a day a person returns to the house of Allah Azza wa Jal and he enters with Allahumma iftahli abwaaba rahmatik. And he leaves with Allahumma inni as'aluka min fadlik. All the virtues and all the blessings is given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here. So this is a very important point to take into consideration. Iqamat al-salah. Wa ita is zakah. Ita is zakah means giving of the zakat. Wa hajj al-bayt and establishing uh, the hajj of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Liman istata'a ilayhi sabila. For those who are capable of doing so. Wa sawmi ramadan. And the fasting of the month of Ramadan. For again, for those pe- people that are able-bodied. And the details of this, uh, as mentioned by Mullah Liqari, he says, That all of these things, establishing of the prayer, and fasting in the month of Ramadan, and giving zakat, all of these have detailed ahkam. And everyone has to, every Muslim has to know these ahkam, the ahkam of prayer, and zakat, and hajj, and uh, fasting. And this is not just for the muftis. This is not just for the scholars. This, the, the, sci- the, the, the knowledge that goes, the knowledge that uh, uh, is uh, regarding these five pillars is fard upon every Muslim. It's not something that is only for the muftis. And sometimes I'm amazed. Some people ask me like really simple questions. And I'm like, subhanAllah, like you're, you're a father of like five kids. Like you have to know these simple masail. Uh, what was something somebody asked me the other day? It was this is like kind of... Um, huh? Do I have to pay zakah? No, there was something like, uh, uh, it was a very, very, uh, you know, simple question. It was like, um, so I, I, I just, it just came to my mind that, you know, these, these matters that have to do with, I mean, everybody can't be mufti, but I'm just saying that it's the general, you know, what breaks wudu. Yeah, they were asking me, does this break the wudu? Does blowing my nose break wudu or something like that? Because I have a cold and a lot of, ajallakum uh, Allah, uh, snot is coming out or a lot of phlegm. Uh, is coming out and does that break my wudu? And I'm like, subhanAllah, you don't know the nawaqit of wudu? And an elderly gentleman, it wasn't a, you know, it was an elderly Muslim, born Muslim, father, mother, you know, father, a very pious person. I mean, I know the whole family. So I'm like, you know, miss, it's, not, it's not appropriate for a person not to know the nawaqit of wudu. You know those things that the breakers of wudu, every Muslim should know that. It's not a matter of like, oh, this is a mufti, let me ask a mufti. Every Muslim should know. So, the ahkam that relate to prayer and fasting. Hajj is, okay, hajj I totally understand. Hajj, even the simple things, because we do it once in a lifetime. Who does hajj every single year? You know, even the most simplest things are extremely difficult. I can totally understand that. Uh, The scholars mention something very beautiful. They say that 
everything which is fard upon a Muslim, look at anything that is fard upon a Muslim, the knowledge of that will also be fard upon a Muslim to seek it. And this is kind of shocking in the Muslim Ummah. I mean, this is, these are our cultures and these are what Muslim communities give priority to. And it's sad that we give priority. For example, our kids have to know algebra or our kids have to know adding and subtracting and division and multiplication. It's impossible that a kid will not know or a man or a woman at the, by the age of 15 will not know multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Is it possible? Impossible. Mustahil, mustahil. Impossible. It's, it can't be. He has to know addition, subtraction, this part of life. You have to know it. It's not possible. You don't send your kids to school, right? The cops are going to come get you, you know? I mean, there's, there's laws behind this. So the ulama and the fuqaha say that a person, anything that is fard upon a Muslim, when the moment salah becomes fard upon you, the ulum and the, and the knowledge of salah also becomes fard upon you. How could something be fard and then you don't have the knowledge of that? You have to seek it. It's not that somebody has to come to you, somebody has to request you, somebody has to beg you, somebody has to remind you. No. Right? Just like, you know, you, you know, you live in this country and you live in this place, you have to get a job, you have to, you have to earn a living, you have to pay bills. You got to know how to write a check. You have to know how to write your address and your phone number. You live here. This is necessary. These are necessary things. But regarding prayer, nobody considers it necessary. Just like whatever. You know, we just go to the masjid and whatever I see my other people doing and I just keep doing that. So, remember this very important point. That anything which is fard upon you, seeking the knowledge of that is also fard in the sharia. So, if fasting is fard upon you, the knowledge of fasting is also fard for you to seek that. If zakat becomes binding upon you, Right? Giving zakat will also become binding. Or, or the seeking the knowledge of zakat also becomes binding. When hajj becomes binding upon you, seeking the knowledge of hajj and the masail of hajj and the issues related to hajj also becomes binding upon you. There's something very important. If you open up a business, you're a Muslim business owner, knowing the basics of halal and haram of business is binding upon you. It's not for muftis. But you go to a mufti, you go to a sheikh, you go to a alim and say, I want to learn this. I'm opening up my business. I want to know the masail. Give me some time. I want to do that section or that chapter from the books of fiqh. Right? Similarly with everything else. Qurbani. Now the udhiyah is coming. The moon of, uh, mashallah, the moon of Dhul-Hijjah was sighted tonight. Tomorrow will be the first of Dhul-Hijjah. Tuesday will be inshallah Eid. Inshallah ta'ala. So now, for example, a lot of people... Udhiyah uh, is binding upon them. In the Hanafi Madhab, Udhiyah or Qurbani is binding upon every person who is a uh, possessor of, 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 uh, of wealth. So if, you're, if zakat is binding upon you, Udhiyah is binding upon you. And now you have to know the Masail of Udhiyah. You have to know the Masail of Qurbani, of slaughtering an animal. Because it's binding upon you. If you're a person who is owner of Nisab, the owner of that amount, that if you have it, then you have to give zakat. So if you have to give zakat, then the qurbani and the udhiyah will also be binding upon you. So like this, this is all detailed in the books of fiqh. These are all detailed in the books of fiqh. Another important thing to understand 
what if a Muslim does not do these five pillars? Okay, let's say you say shahadatain. You said, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. But then after that, right, maybe nobody else was there to teach you, and or whatever the case may be, you didn't, or maybe just out of laziness, you accepted it. I accept the prayer, I accept the fasting, I, you didn't reject anything. But a person just doesn't do it. A person doesn't pray. A person doesn't fast in the month of Ramadan. The person doesn't perform hajj ever. I know Muslims, like, they just, they've already made, that, made their decision they're never going to do hajj. I know, I know people who do that. SubhanAllah, there's a very, very strict hadith in which the Prophet said that the one who has the capacity, the financial ability to do hajj, but intentionally he does not do hajj, then let him die a Jew or let him die a Christian. Because hajj is something that is what differentiates Islam from other religions. I know people, they, 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 have, they have the money, they have the capacity. And they keep saying things like, oh, there's so many poor people in the world. Instead of doing hajj, I'm going to go feed a poor person. Oh, brother, these are five pillars of Islam. You understand? Like, this, is like, this is what we learn from the time that we're kids. Five pillars of Islam. Hajj is a pillar of Islam. How are you saying this? And you're a grown man? Give the charity to the poor people. Huh? You're supposed to do that anyways. But there's people like, and, and the, the, the only... The only thing that I see with these people, what their issue is, is that they just don't love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when you love somebody, then you love to visit his house. That's why it's very scary. The people will say, I don't want to go to Allah's house. Oh, you don't love, you don't love Allah? When I love somebody, I want to go to their house. I want to visit them. When we can't visit Allah, Allah doesn't have a physical location. But the, the, the Kaaba is... The maqam, so this is a very dangerous thing. But let's just say, what if a person doesn't do it out of negligence? They believe in it. Yeah, hajj is good. Hajj is fad. I don't deny it. So Mullah Ali Qari mentions a very important discussion here. I want everybody to understand a very important point. We are Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. We are the followers of Sunnah and Jama'ah. The Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu and the jama'ah of sahaba and the salaf al-salihin. The Prophet said that there will be many, many groups and many, many different sects in Islam that will come out and all of them will be in the fire except one group. They said, Ya Rasulullah, what is that one group that will go to, to, go to paradise? Ya Rasulullah, he said, Ma ana alayhi wa ashabi. Ma ana alayhi wa ashabi. That group that I am upon that, what, it, what I am upon and what my companions are upon. That is the saved sect, what we call, the, the acceptable. Whatever, and subhanAllah, and that is, that is haq. What, is the, what was the Prophet was on and what his companions were on. Now, the aqidah of, the belief of the companions and the belief of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam regarding this matter, what was it? That a person believes, but let's just say he's negligent. He's negligent of his prayer. He's negligent of fasting. He accepts it, but he says, you know, I can't, or I'm lazy, or, I, I, you know, I don't want to do it, or whatever. So the aqeedah of Ahl sunnah wal Jama'ah is that this person will still be a Muslim, but he's a transgressor, he's a fasiq, he's a sinner. 
There are another group, which is not Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. They are Khawarij. They are called the Khawarij. That if a person misses out or neglects a specific aspect of Islam, he is kafir. Mukhallad fin nar. Walau qala ashadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. It's very important to understand this balance. Right? A person commits a sin, he's a kafir. If a person, for example, drinks alcohol or he commits a sin, he is out of the fold of Islam and he should be killed. And this is what's happening. This is a type of fikriya that some people are using that so-and-so people, right, they committed a sin, they should be killed. We're going to kill so-and-so. Oh, why? Because he committed a sin. We're going to kill so-and-so. Why? Oh, because he was drinking. You don't kill somebody because of a sin. Someone does not come out of the fold of Islam because of a sin. That's what tawbah is for. That's what istighfar is for. What is tawbah and istighfar for? Then there's no point in tawbah and istighfar. There's no point. So, ثُمَّ أَعْلَمْ أَنَّ هَذَا تَعْرِيفُ الْإِسْلَامِ الْكَامِلِ إِنَّ أَهْلُ السُّنَّ وَالْجَمَعَةِ فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا وَلَوْ كُلَّهَا مَا عَدَ الشَّهَادَةِ فَهُوَ فَاسِقِ عَلَى مَا ثَبَتَ عِنْدَ الْجَمْهُورِ مِنَ الْجَمْعِ بَيْنَ الْأَدِلَّةِ الْكِتَابِ وَالسُّنَّةِ وَخَالَ فَأَحْمَدْ وَآخَرُونَ this doesn't mean that he, he's opposite of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. He's saying in one particular integral, in one particular pillar, because the Prophet mentions a sarih and sahih hadith, a very explicit and authentic narration. Because of that, we will say just that one is an exception. All the other ones, no, we, we agree with the Jamhur. With the, with the, and what is that? is the hadith that is narrated in Sahih Muslim and other narrations This is a clear, explicit hadith which is authentic and narrated with many, many narrations between the difference between a kufr and iman is a person's prayer that if he abandons the prayer this is a clear sign of his kufr and then, obviously, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah and the Jamhur, they have their interpretations of that. That this means, for example, you know, you are doing the actions of kuffar. Right? What is the difference? What is the sign of a believer? The sign of a believer is that he prays. The sign of a believer is that he prays his five daily prayers. Who are the ones who establish the prayers in the masajid? The people who believe in Allah in the last day. So, point being... Imam Ahmad's usul is that if there is a sahih hadith in a particular matter, he will take that as, you know, unequivocal, clear proof, and then, you know, he will not re regard anything else after that. Anybody who intentionally, you know, abandons a prayer, then he has done kufr. Right. Again, there are many interpretations from the fuqaha. فَكَفَّرُوا تَارِكَهَا مُطْلَقًا So anybody who then abandons the prayer openly and neglects it, they say that he is a kafir. سَوَاءٌ إِسْتَحَلَّ تَرْكَهَا أَوْ أَنْكَرَ فَرْضِيَّتَهَا أَمْ لَا Whether he has considered it halal or whether he's rejected it actually as a pillar, 
because that's what Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the Jamhur, the, the majority of them say, that only if a person rejects it, and only if a person says, I don't believe in it, ah, it's not a big deal. If you want to pray, pray. If you don't want to pray, don't pray. That type of statement, yes. Muttafaq. Everybody says this person is kafir because he's actually denying its obligation. So if you deny... Now another person says, oh yeah, you know, I never get the chance to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm really lazy. May Allah give me tawfiq. Yeah, that's not a kafir. You see what I'm saying? So there's a difference between istihlal, istihlal al-tark, and yani, inkal al-fardiyya, and actually just being neglectful. So we say that if a person rejects it, then he becomes a kafir. But they say if a person neglects it, he becomes a kafir. So the aqidah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, all through the board, all throughout, is anybody who neglects any act of prayer or any act of the deen, he neglects it. He doesn't reject it. He does not become a kafir. Kafir is a very, very serious matter. Right? And that can only a person, remember this usul, a person can only become kafir the same way that he became Muslim. How does that? When you became Muslim, you entered Islam by accepting, right? So the only way you can come out of Islam is the opposite of accepting, rejecting. It's a very simple usul. This is the usul of Ahl Sunnah. The way that you exit Islam is the way that you entered it. Meaning the way when you entered it, you entered it through accepting, rejecting what was disbelief and accepting what was belief. And how do you come out of the fold of Islam? Rejecting what is belief, rejecting what is obligatory, rejecting what you should believe in, right? And accepting the opposite of that. And that is what brings you out. So any statement that is made, you say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, I bear witness, right? This is what they're talking about. Bunya Islam wa ala shahadati Allah ilaha illallah. You make shahada. So now a person says, Oh, prayer is nothing. I tell you, I tell you, prayer is nothing. Na'udhu billah. Somebody says like that. Yes, now they're doing opposite of when they entered. The word tarq, the word tarq means abandon. He's abandoning the prayer. Yani tarq. Not like he does it once in a while. You know what I mean? That he does it once and then he does it again. Like a person because completely neglected, he doesn't even consider it anything. Yani he doesn't do it. Obviously, do, now this is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hanbali, so I don't know their, their opinion. But now there's a whole, I mean, subhanAllah, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah has a like 400 page book on this. They have a deep masail. Now, would this person be, I mean, I read even this mas'ala there. Remember, Hafsa, we were going through that in, in uh, Sahih Muslim Dars. There was a whole section that says, what if a person does one of them and he doesn't do the other one? So, for example, I missed Zuhur, I left Zuhur. So I became kafir. So now, when I pray Asr, will my prayer be valid or do I have to say my shahada again? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. If it's not, it's not the aqidah of Ahl Sunnah. There's, you know, one specific group that took it because of the literal, literal um, interpretation of the hadith. But look at what that entails. Look at how much, like, problems you get into. Okay, I left Zuhur, for example, 
intentionally. I left it. Because according to them, it doesn't matter if you reject or neglect. They say if you neglected it, so I was at work, I neglected it, I didn't have time. I became kafir. So now if I pray asr, is my salat even valid? Because I became kafir at zuhr time. I have to say the shahada again. The salat of a kafir is not, not acceptable. You have, to, you have to repeat your shahadatain. You can see how problematic that is. But they have masail like that. But that's the zahiriyyah. And, the, and some of the Hanabila. Alhamdulillah for the, uh, the, the Ahl Sunnah. Otherwise, you know, half the Ummah would be probably kafir today. But anyways, you have, you have people that adopt these qawl and that's why they go around with AK-47s like cowboys killing people in villages. You go in, people, they just go in and whatever, they find something. You know, oh, uh, you people support such and such government, you're a kafir. And this, this is happening right now as we speak. So don't think that this masala is a joke. This is a very serious matter. This is Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. If a person thinks differently than you, if a person prays differently than you, right, this does not bring them out of the... Or if a person, for example, does not pray, or if a person is committing a sin, that does not give anybody, n- neither the hukuma, neither, you know, a cowboy with the AK-47... You know that I'm going to go and you know, kill this person because he's you know, listening to music. I'm going to kill this person because you know, he has a picture on the wall. I'm kill this person because I mean, this is, this is aqidah of khawarij. This is exactly what the khawarij did. They said, Ali is kafir. You know where this came from? To those people who said about Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib that he is kafir. Because he had a different opinion of them than them. They said, we follow, we'll decide in the matter of the Qur'an. The other army of Muawiyah, they lifted up their Qur'ans to make tahkim. We're going to decide on the Qur'an. We're not going to fight. Ali radiallahu said, we don't take their qawl. We don't take their opinion. This is politics. The Qur'an says, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا فَإِن بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا فَقَاتِلُوا الَّتِي تَبْغِي Allah has commanded us to fight them. They're, they're using this as an excuse. So the army of the people who were with Ali, you became kafir. They're putting up the Qur'an. You don't want to decide on the matter of the Qur'an? You became kafir. In other words, they had a difference of opinion with him to what they thought is good. What they thought is like, like for example, somebody says, Brother, why don't you follow? I mean, I get this all the time. Brother, the hadith in Bukhari, it says you should do like this. I said, I know there's a hadith in Bukhari. I follow another hadith. No, you're kafir. You don't believe in the words of the Prophet. Something like that. That's exactly what they did to Rasulullah or that's what that, I'm sorry to say. Now Ali radiallahu anhu, Ali became kufr. Ali left the fold of Islam. Na'udhu billahi min dhalik. And those same khawarij, when they fought against Ali radiallahu anhu, Ali radiallahu anhu was asked, "Oh, Amir al-Mu'minin, what do you say about them that are fighting us?" He said, "Ikhwanuna baghaw alayna. They are our brothers who rebelled against us. That's Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah." These are our brothers, they're committing a sin. You see, subhanallah. Ikhwanuna, ikhwanuna. Our brothers, baghaw alayna. Baghawat kardan khilafama. Look at the beauty of Ahlul Sunnah. They, did rebel, they rebelled against the hukuma. And they are our brothers. And we have to bring them back. And what did they say about Ali? When they had a difference of opinion? Kafir. Kill him. Na'udhu this is not this is not our this is not our path
So a very important point to understand. <clears throat> As for the salat, subhanallah, Mullah Ali Qari rahimahullah mentions beautiful points here. The Prophet ﷺ had two mi'raj. Kana li mi'rajan. The Prophet ﷺ had two mi'rajs. Mi'rajun fi alam al-his wa huwa min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa thumma ila alam al-malakut wa maqamin a'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet ﷺ a mi'raj where he went from Masjid al-haram to Masjid al-aqsa and then from Masjid al-Aqsa, Allah Ta'ala took him to the heavens. And there, Allah Ta'ala gave him another mi'raj, spiritual mi'raj. And that was, he was gifted with the salah. So that, when the Prophet ﷺ came, when he came down, he gave that gift of that mi'raj, the spiritual mi'raj to his ummah. That now when we perform our prayer, every time we perform our prayer, it is as if we are going in the presence of Allah Azza wa Jal, just like the Prophet ﷺ, he went in the presence of Allah Azza wa Jal in the Mi'raj. Such a beautiful thing he mentions. So Isra means night journey. Isra is the night journey. It's from Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa, and then from there up, there is the Mi'raj. So all of that sometimes is called Mi'raj. As durustishis Isra u Mi'raj. From the Isra, night journey, from Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa, that's Isra. Mi'raj is from Masjid al-Aqsa to... Yes, this way, brother. <laughs> so this, uh, as is mentioned here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Salat as Mi'raj al-Mu'min. And an interesting thing he says, just like there are seven heavens, he said there are seven arkan in prayer. If in two rakat salat, you have qiyam, two qiyams, two standings, and you have two rukus, right? And you have two sujuds. No, actually, yeah. You have two rukus, two sujuds, two qiyams, and you have the qawma, bayna ruku. Sajda. And this makes seven. And he said, this is like the seven heavens. And when you reach the At-Tahiyyat, you are conversing with Allah Azza wa Jal. At-Tahiyyatu Lillahi. That I, all the pure praises are for Allah with the tongue, with salawat. And the prayers, physical worship is for, for Allah. With tayyibat. And the good things that we spend is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As-salamu alayka ayyuhal nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is sending salam upon the messenger of Allah. As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. And this is making dua for ourselves. And then we say the shahada. Right? All of this is like a, right, you can say like a, a, a praise for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we are in his presence. So just like the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he when he was in Allah Taala's presence in the Mi'raj, we also have this mukalama or this munajat that we speak to Allah Taala when we recite the at-tahiyat. 
is a very beautiful thing that he mentions. And as for the fasting, right, this is imsak. It is withholding ourselves from all of those things which Allah Ta'ala has prohibited and staying away from food and drink from morning till evening. And the higher level of imsak means from imsak amma siwallah. Staying away from all of those things that take us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as for zakat, zakat is purifying ourselves from the greed of the nafs for worldly possessions. And as for the hajj, the hajj is to teach us to come out of our normal states that we're used to on a daily basis, the things that we have been habituated to, the things that we're being accustomed to on a daily basis. When we do the hajj, we come out of that state. Right? We, we go out of the state of normalcy, the, out of the state of right, um, worldly life, and we come into the life of, right, as the Prophet said, al-hajju, right, the hajj is the monasticism and the, and the, and the zuhud of my ummah. And as we mentioned previously, these, uh, this hadith in particular, we can see that it is the fundamental and foundational, uh, foundational hadith which explains to us the fundamentals of Islam. As Imam Qurtubi mentions, هَذِهِ الْخَمْسِ These five pillars, أَسَاسُ دِينِ islam This is the, the foundation of the deen of Islam. وَقَوَاعِدُهُ الَّتِي بُنِيَ عَلَيْهِ And the base upon which Islam is built. وَبِهَا يَقُومُ and this is why we understand in this more modern, you know, these modernist type of people where it says, I don't need to pray or I don't need to fast or I don't need to give zakat or do the hajj in order to be a Muslim. So this hadith is a clear proof against all of those people who think that Islam is just some like cultural type of thing. That if I just say that I'm Muslim, saying I'm Muslim makes me a Muslim. Whereas saying you're Muslim, that just doesn't make you Muslim. These are... The, the Prophet said Islam is established upon these five very important things. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to understand what has been said. Wa akhiru alhamdulillah. Isra means for Sara means to go in the night time. Safar Kardan Shab. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت